Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga. And thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or a subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hue virtual chat. Well, as each day goes on, I guess there's a little bit more hope that this will all be over very, very soon. And the good thing is, is that the weather outside is getting a lot nicer too as well. So, but again, keep your social distancing and stay safe. And so today though, we will start off with a real, I think, wonderful treat for everybody. Um, it's a heartfelt poem though, from a nurse a frontline healthcare worker, um, but she also is a wonderful singer-songwriter, and I do remember her name, and you will meet her very, very shortly. And uh, also, we'll be talking about the arts and culture and performing arts in particular. So we'll have a chat with Sarah Davey. She's a dancer with Rowan Pig Ballet, and uh, 2020 was supposed to be her swan song year, and we'll learn more about that as well as hopefully we'll have the artistic director from the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, Kelly Thornton, joining us. And of course, like all the other arts organizations, their seasons were cut short. And also, we don't know what the future will hold too, but we really hold dear all of those groups that bring so much joy and pleasure into our lives. So we hope that they will all be hitting the stages, so to speak, in the very short future. But for now, I'm going to welcome in all of our lovely ladies again for Thursday's Hue Virtual Chat. It is spring, it is lovely outside, and oh my goodness, look at all these great faces. Oh, great. Oh, and some new ones too as well. So thank you ladies all for coming. It's been um, you know, a crazy week. I mean, Tuesday was a really heavy show, but this one, you know, we're gonna switch it up and, and, and talk about you know, some things that are really, um, a lot of us hold dear to our hearts, the arts and culture and performing arts. But um, first of all, I want to introduce Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Now, do you remember we have done, um, I've done interviews <laughs> with you, and usually it's your guitar <laughs> singing away, and I had no idea um, that you are also a nurse, and this must be a very, very interesting time. So, First of all, I guess, Emma, like, let's talk about, I guess, what these last weeks have been for you. Fill us in. Um, well, yes, I, I am a nurse, actually. I, um, I put myself through nursing school, releasing albums, and that was actually the last time we talked was about album releases. Um, so uh, it has been a very, very stressful month, I think, for everybody in a million different ways. 
Um, and uh, in, in my world, um, as a musician, we were slated, my band, The New Customs, we were slated to play uh, festivals all over the country, including the Winnipeg Folk Festival and the Stan Rogers Folk Festival. And we had tours that were gonna take us internationally. Um, and uh, when, when COVID uh, occurred, uh, all of a sudden everything changed very, very suddenly. And uh, as a nurse, there was this, um, it was terrifying. I'm not even gonna mince words. There's this sudden realization that the only way that you can make an income and support your family is now, you know, going to be a full-time endeavor and that there is no amount of guarantee that anybody can offer that everything we could possibly do will be enough. And uh, that, that really weighed on me. It was keeping me awake at night. It was making it hard to get up and go to my shift. And it kind of felt like I was, I guess, skydiving. I felt like, like the, the being pushed out of a plane was me holding onto the wings going, but wait, it's not safe. And then still having to jump every day. And so that was a whole new level of stress. Wow. What is it, what is it like, like in the hospital now? Is it still the same or is it kind of? Well, how do I explain? Yes, the, you know, the fear is still absolutely there. Um, our, our world looks very different in the hospital now. We're used to protocols and we're used to gloves and masks. and But that's not usually 12 hours a day. I'm full time. And so I'm, we, we show up early and we get scanned in to have our temperatures taken and get asked screening questions. Um, once you're changed into your uniform, then you add on protective eyewear and full mask. Um, we've taken to wearing fancy headbands with buttons on them to protect our ears because the backs of our ears have become raw and chopped. Uh, then you put on a full gown, um, you've got your face shield, and then you wear gloves. And I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and so seeing my face is something that people often take great comfort in. And um, we, we look like masked bandits. We look quite terrifying. It's like something out of a sci-fi movie. Um, so we've gone to great lengths to try to make our patients more comfortable, including putting our names on our foreheads with tape on top of our scrub caps and remembering um, that human connection comes in so many ways that isn't just being able to see us and being present for our patients uh, as best we can in every way possible. Um, but even things like our breaks are different. When we get breaks, we can't be near each other. And so it's this, you spend all day inside your PPE and very isolated and with this barrier between you and humanity. And then when it's time for break where you would normally decompress or talk to your colleagues or have fun just for a few minutes or even just eat, we can't do that in the same room, so we find ourselves isolated to sections like conference rooms or sitting alone, and then you just go back to work. So it's a very weird, yeah. it's a weird world. And then what is it like when you um, come home? Can you decompress or is it not enough time to decompress before you hit the shift again? Well, I mean, my shift gets extended by, after we're done the shift, I do like full hot decontamination showers at work. My kids are scared to hug me. Um, and quite frankly, I'm scared to hug them too. And uh, when I walk through the door, the first thing they ask me is, are you sterile? And um, I, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to watch your children be so aware that you might be carrying a secret contaminant with you. Um, so no, by the time I get home, after what will be like 13 hours plus at the hospital, uh, knowing that I'm going back the next morning, I just drop 
Like there's just, I feel like I can't, you know, there's so much emotional energy that goes into being hypervigilant. Yeah. And that really just takes away, <laughs> it takes away the energy. So yeah. No. Oh my goodness. Uh, I can't imagine. You know what? Um, I'm going to throw it off there, ladies. Do you have any questions um, for, for Emma? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Emma. This is everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all kind of like, whoa. I mean, that's yeah. that. Well, um, I have a question, Emma. So is it, I know I saw a couple of stories um, online. Is it true that in the LD room, you're only allowed to have just the healthcare team? No other family members are allowed to be with you now? No, we have it down to having one essential support person, okay. um, which has still created a lot of stress for a lot of families. Yeah. Um, we're a, uh, a family-friendly hospital, and we really I know. I've had my babies there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. And so I work at both hospitals. I should make that clear yeah. that I do work at St. Boniface as a labor nurse and as well as a HSC. Um, but the policy right now is for us only to have one uh, visitor accompanying, and so that can be the partner, the spouse, or in mm -hmm. other cases, a person of your choice. Um, that person gets identified with a wristband so that they can't be swapped in and out. Um, it's really changed the face of birth, not all in negative ways, but mm -hmm. the having only one person for those people who had wanted maybe their mom with them as well or a doula. Um, and unfortunately, because of infection control, we just can't have that right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, I'm always grateful when people come in with a support person, period, mm -hmm. because yeah. the alternative to that for some of our remote families is really different. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I mean, my goodness, um, yeah, so I had my babies at, at safety too as well, and my babies are big boys now. Um, if that, and we can all kind of attest to that too, like, I mean, that is such a, 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 a defining moment and such an important moment. And like you said, like the whole birthing now is so different. What has been the reaction from, you know, the parents? Have yeah, I guess they have to embrace it. They don't really have too much choice, but, you know, have they kind of, kind of made their own kind of celebration? It's, it's different. Okay, so the one thing that I noticed as a very common parallel with all of the parents I've interacted with during COVID is that parents already come to the hospital anxious and nervous and excited and terrified. Um, and usually they come to us and sometimes they find us reassuring and other times the whole experience takes a little while to sort of dip into it. But having a baby is already a momentous occasion in your life. And if you have children, then you know that it doesn't get any less scary no matter how many babies you have. But now what we're seeing, now what I'm seeing is this degree of fear. There's a way that someone looks at you when they look at you as if you might be dangerous. And when you come in, and like I said, we're dressed from head to toe, like there's a contaminant in the room. And I'm not arguing with it. I think it's in totally reasonable. It's 100% appropriate. But it changes the, our ability to make people feel calm. Uh, we have to sit further away from them. That's another big thing. So staying in close proximity for long periods of time is not realistic. So even though we're in the same room, our, our rooms at uh, the hospitals at HSC especially are very large you'll find your nurse is considerably far, farther back. Um, and so looking at that look in their eyes, when they're looking at me like they're afraid to do something wrong, they don't want to touch something they shouldn't touch, they don't want to move into an area they shouldn't be in, it's, a, it's just an entirely different level of fear and anxiety. And there's a bit of a disappointment as well because there's, there's often a lot of fanfare, a lot of visitors that come through after oh. someone's had a baby. 
And um, that doesn't exist right now. Mm -hmm. um, but on that note, that's also been a remarkable positive for a lot of moms. Um, a lot of parents do not get the time that they need to bond with their baby, to establish breastfeeding, uh, to recover, to even just have a sleep without anybody needing something from you. And so that is one of the very small gifts that COVID has given us is it's allowing moms and babies and parents to have more intimate bonding time with their babies, which is a practice I think we should maybe think about going forward regardless. That's really interesting, Emma. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, really good. Now, does anybody have anything that they'd like to add? And I, and I guess to um, Emma now, if you take it what nursing and what your, your position will look like in the future, there will be some changes, I think, huh? I don't fully understand. Well, I mean, I think because of this situation now, what do you think, what changes do you think will happen in the future as slowly, right, we try to go back to normal or what that normal will look like? I think while I can't predict no, how it's all going to look, I want to tell you about my grandmother's perspective on butter. <laughs> so my grandmother uh, was a midwife. Uh, during the Second World War. And she lived on wartime rations. And my mother tells me stories about how long after the war was over, my grandmother still would ration the butter in the house because it was the most valuable commodity. And every time I looked at the butter in the kitchen as this was happening, I started to think, what things in my mind are going to change as a result of this? And what will be sort of the quirky thing that my kids think was odd about, you know, will I always be such a vigilant hand washer? Will I never let our shoes in the house again? Will, you know, will I always walk at a distance from people in a grocery store? Do we become more um, nervous about giving hugs every time we interact with people? I don't know what the butter of my COVID situation will be. Wow. But um, you have written a poem and I know that you have band practice, which I, you know, and I just want to say though, doing the music side though must be a really great, you know, a way to just let your emotions out and think on a different wavelength? It is. Well, I mean, the new customs, it has been my full-time project for four years. Like I said, we, I work as a casual nurse in both places up until about a week ago where I took a full-time position at HSC because that's where I'm needed. But uh, working as a casual allows me to tour and go to festivals and be on the road and really, um, you know, do all those things that everyone says that, you know, how can you have so many jobs? No, we're just women. We're adaptable. We're really good at this. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't have to choose who you want to be when you grow up. You can just be who you are. Um, the music, we're doing our first um, and probably only live stream concert today uh, for our fans as uh, in connection with Home Roots Shemesh Enu. Yes. So, um, yeah. And uh, it's... We're, we're giving our Winnipeg fans and across the, across the nation an opportunity to see us Simply because, yeah, I think the world's going to look different. And I don't know when the festivals are all going to come back. And I don't know when we're going to be able to sit in that Folk Fest field together and <laughs> experience it. So um, I haven't been able to really pick up the guitar and pour emotion into it because I just quite frankly haven't had the time. But um, today we're going to play some songs and, uh, and go live and interact with people through the internet, kind of like we are right now. So um, what time? And uh, uh, give us the Facebook address or can you? 
Oh yeah, sure. Um, okay, so it's going to go through um, Facebook Live on Home Roots Shemeshenu, and so if you type in Home Roots on your Facebook. Uh, that'll bring it up and you can also find it. We're going to cross post it to the new customs um, and we're going to go live at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time today. So if you guys want to tune in and hang out with uh, with us in our living room, I've never invited so many people into my house ever. <laughs> and we don't care if you haven't cleaned. That was, this, is, this is not the time for spring cleaning. <laughs> there are so many cords. I should turn this around just for you to see. Do you guys want to see? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so we've got cameras and cords and stages and <laughs> it looks like a bomb went off in here, but it's going to be a great sounding bomb. And yes. uh, we're, we're just, I've got to get organized for that. We've got um, learning how to live stream now as an artist is not a thing we knew how to do a month ago. And so as if... The world wasn't already hard enough. <laughs> now I we're know. trying to figure out how to be technological wizards as well. Uh, so that I am going to conquer it. I am determined. We know that you will. Before you leave us, though, can you please read your poem? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, hang on, I gotta get it. Okay. Okay. This actually, you know, is a great time too because we were hearing stories about people writing, people doing artwork, and uh, it's amazing. It really is. So I, I love this opportunity to share with everybody. Yeah, thank you. Um, the poem, I wrote it right before a 12-hour shift um, because I couldn't sleep and I was experiencing this. It felt like a weight sitting on my chest. I just could not process how much anxiety I had. And um, songwriting always comes to me like a bolt of lightning. And this came to me like a bolt of lightning. And I wrote it down and then posted it. And then went off to go give my kids some dinner. And uh, I came back within an hour and it had been shared almost 2000 times. And then I got a little worried and here we are. Uh, <laughs> about my poem. So here you go. Uh, it's called today. We dressed for battle. Today I dressed for battle to fight an enemy. I can't see stood in lines of frontline troops being scanned into work. Our new routine. Packed a lunch for a 12-hour shift I'd likely never get to eat and looked out the hospital windows at the ghostly empty streets. Fought with the fear inside me to go to the job I've always loved, afraid that everything I can do here still won't be enough. My hands are cracked from washing, my heart heavy with the fear that the enemy we're fighting can follow me home from here. A nurse's heart beats with compassion and will take care of you weather through the storm and see this crisis through. So again, we'll dress for battle to fight an enemy we can't see. We came to work for you. Please stay home for me. Oh, I like your little, she's got a clap. I love that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not kind of love, love, whoop, whoop, you know, at the Folk Fest, but my goodness, thank you so much, Emma, for sharing Thanks, that. You are an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Rana. Yeah, you really are. I do that. Yeah, well, the ladies have it too, so I'm sure it's going to get shared out a lot more. Yes. And, uh, and we'll all tune into your concert, 3 p.m. Eastern time, so that means 2 p.m. our time. I didn't know where you guys were located. Okay, yeah, so no, we're all here. We're all here in Winnipeg. Yeah, we're all here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, so it's three p.m. then. 
Oh, 3 p.m. Okay. 3 p.m. Okay. Central Time. So we'll Central. Be here. I got it. Lovely okay. to meet you all. I'm yeah. going to go and figure Thank out. Thank you, Paul, too, Emma. We appreciate it. Okay. Yes. okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Wow. That's pretty intense. Uh, I know that's like a real in-your-face look yeah. at what they're facing every day. So I, an, another added wow, layer of gratitude and oh my goshness but uh yep. support all the ways and uh, oh i'd like to okay so we're gonna move on and we do have some new people and um special guest we've got there sarah davy she's a dancer with the world one thing ballet right sarah still or yeah. so yeah <laughs> it's so weird you're gonna have to unmute yourself sarah i think you got your audio up can you hear me? Uh, just turn, yeah, turn your audio up a little bit. Okay. I don't know if I know how to do that. Yeah, maybe a little higher. Okay. A nice cheat is just to talk really loud. Oh, good. Thanks, Tessa. Yeah, you have to talk louder. Sorry. They can't, I just got a message. You can't adjust your mic. So yeah, just shout. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so Sarah, tell us a little, your story, I guess, on, you know, the old, how you became a dancer, and uh, now, more importantly, how 2020 was supposed to be your year. Yeah, so I guess uh, I started dancing back when I was, like, three years old. Um, dance has just always been a part of my life. Uh, I came to Winnipeg. I'm originally from Ontario. Came to Winnipeg when I was 13 years old. Uh, went through the professional vision. Uh, joined level four, then graduated in level seven, went on for two years of aspirant program, and then I joined the company in 2009. Uh, I was promoted, I think, to second soloist in 2014 and just been doing that ever since. Uh, yeah, so here we are. But yeah, this <laughs> is supposed to be my retirement year. I know. So in May was supposed to be my last shows dancing with the company and I guess last time performing ever for me um, and unfortunately that has been taken away. <laughs> oh, I know I mean it's just uh, yeah it's it's sad and it's well, oh my gosh but I guess in other ways too now I mean what does the future look like for you Sarah? Um, well I'm definitely like an over planner as a dancer, like type A personality. <laughs> so uh, I do want to go back to school. I've, I've been doing a business degree this whole time. So I'm going into my fourth year of a business degree at UW. Uh, going to be doing that full time for the first time, which is going to be fun. Um, I also have plans to continue working with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet um, on the administrative side of things. Um, it's been such a huge part of my life for 16 years now. So, I mean, it's not something I'm wanting to walk away from anytime soon, for sure. Um, and definitely just, uh, doing a little bit of teaching. I started teaching, uh, in October this year. So just finding a new passion for being in the studio in that sense and oh. being involved. So now are you doing still, are you doing virtual teaching? Because it's really kind of amazing too how like the professional division and everybody's adapted there at the, at the ballet. I just to fill the, the other ladies in is that they run virtual ballet class. They've cleaned out their living rooms and made, put up 
affordable bars and away they go. Yeah, I mean, right now, um, most of us, because uh, like a lot of the company dancers are just part-time hourly teachers because we are busy. So a lot of us have all been laid off. Uh, it's just the regular core staff right now. But yeah, they're doing providing classes through Zoom. There's, uh, yeah, private videos going out. Uh, we have still our ballet masters that are actually still giving a class for the company dancers. So everything. Tune in at eleven o'clock to our Zoom class, and and it just feels like we're all together again. So it's nice. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, being a, a former dancer and knowing what uh, the company becomes your second family, what has it been like? You know, for the other members, have a lot of did a lot of them go back home because we know that we do have a lot of dancers from outside the country even too as well. Yeah. Um, well, it was pretty uncertain for us for a little while there because we did actually uh, stop going into the studio quite early on. Uh, we stopped around March 16th. Um, so just because of the nature of our jobs, we're in like close contact all the time. You can't rehearse without being all over each other. <laughs> um, so they, they had us stop quite early on, but uh, we were still on contract in the beginning, so we were, we were so uncertain about what was going to happen, right? So um, most of us have stayed here because I know a lot of people, a lot of people are from Canada, but then there are like Americans and people from China, but a lot of them like can't really travel that far right now, right? So yeah, stuff being closed. Um, but I think for most people to apply for CERB, you have to stay in Canada. So a lot of people are just going to be staying in Canada for this time. Wow. So, well, all our thoughts and prayers are with them too, because it's a hard time, right? Being away from your loved ones and, and not knowing. It's, uh, it can be pretty tense. And of course, in, in, your, in their occupation, right? They have to be very close. <laughs> <laughs> in close quarters so yeah so what you will talk about later and what you kind of think how the changeover will happen you know with the performing arts um yes yeah, I, I don't know i'm hoping that kelly can join us i'm not too sure if she can but i'm gonna move on and uh tessa welcome it's it's been a while but uh and i love the short hair because i think i last time i saw you you had long hair and uh um so first of all i know a little bit about tessa but you know, a little bit about yourself and I guess how One Just City is, you know, kind of coping with or reorganizing or, or dealing with this whole pandemic and COVID. So first off, my husband cut my hair last week um, <gasps> following a YouTube tutorial because I was annoyed with it. But uh, yeah, we are, uh, you know, trying to do our best uh, to support people who started this pandemic with our resources to try to maintain the level of resources that they need throughout so um you know typically we serve anywhere from 12 to 1500 meals a week right now we're serving anywhere from 1500 to 2000 we're also coordinating an additional thousand meals to other nonprofits because we've had our donors just be so generous that we're able to support other nonprofits. Uh, and we've continued our overnight warming center, which is normally for winter, which is why it's called warming, um, but now it's just an overnight emergency space. And so trying to make sure that people experiencing homelessness have options to socially distance. And so other shelters had to spread people out, which meant they lost some space and they're now figuring out how to make up those uh, losses in beds. Uh, but in the interim, we stayed open so that at least another 30 people could have somewhere to be. And trying to figure out 
you know, how to support people that maybe have mental health issues or live in a space that's unsafe. You know, we're talking a lot about stay at home, but what does that mean when you don't have one? We're talking a lot about stay at home. But what does that mean when your home's not safe? So really trying to offer people still a space to come and be following social distancing, following sanitation protocols, um, and offering people a place to get a meal. And so, you know, between our three locations, so Wonder City has St. Matthew's Maryland Community Ministry in the West End, West Broadway Community Ministry in West Broadway, uh, and Oak Table in Osborne Village. And uh, between our three sites, we are seeing a huge increase in emergency food kits. So that's like, I have a family of three, or I'm a single mom of two, and I've run out of food, and I don't get anything until Thursday, and it's Friday. Um, so we're doing kits that kind of help their family get to the next food catch point um, and trying to make sure that all of the other things you need to keep your immune system and, you know, like shampoo and soap and things like that. Uh, actually, Lush just donated their entire soap inventory to us. Wow. So that's really cool uh, and uh, is helping us kind of get some of the things you need to wash your hands to people who can't afford to buy them uh, and trying to make sure that we can do things like that for folks. So, you know, we're really, uh, like I talked on March 13th, uh, um, Friday when this kind of all hit, um, with my whole team and said, you know, what are we going to do? And everybody said, we want to stay open. We want to keep working. Um, like our people need us now more than ever. And, uh, so we've been really lucky. One of the things that's been really different though, is we normally run on the equivalent of 15 full-time staff and volunteer hours. So that's over like almost 300 volunteers, but most of them are seniors. Um, and so right away, we just saw that uh, for good reason kind of disappear. And uh, so for us, we've had to hire hire actually four staff um, to try to make up so that we can still, you know, do this level of service and in fact, increase our level of service uh, to the community during this time. So financially, that's hard on Wondrous City. Um, you know, we have a donor really helping us with food, so we're kind of able to like move some budget lines around. Uh, but it's really important, I think, right now when we're thinking about, you know, the safety of our own homes and the capacity that we have to feel well, uh, making sure that our whole community has some access to things uh, that make them feel safe and, uh, you know, not going hungry through COVID. So do you think, too, though, Tessa, um, and then now as the weather is getting warmer and everything like that, it, uh, you're going to see a different wave of so-called people or, or a different wave of people needing assistance from organizations like One Just. We've already seen it. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So, you know, uh, I think our, our St. Matthews, Maryland location is a good uh, indicator of this. We normally are a lot busy there in the summer with families um, and they started showing up like three weeks ago. And so it used to be that, you know, kids could, and now we, we see some programs like food programming's popping back up, um, but initially kind of everything shut down. And so we had uh, an increase there. Normally we serve about 85 meals a day and we were doing 150 and still are every single day. Wow. Wow. And so that's a huge growth um, in terms of what we need to be able to have to offer. And if it wasn't for donors helping us make that happen, we would not like, that's, that's a need that completely would, like we'd spend all of our year budget in this month. Um, <laughs> so it's been pretty impressive because most of the food we get is donated, but because of the food shortages that are happening right now, food isn't getting donated in the same way and, and Harvest doesn't have as much to give us as they normally do. Yeah. Um, so in fact, they, you know, for about a month, 
we're not giving us anything because they're focused on the food supplement packages, which is a huge priority and we understand. So we're trying to fill those gaps. And um, so, yeah, we've seen a lot of kiddos. We have a lot of babies coming um, with, with uh, parents. So we're asking for baby formula. We're asking for diapers. We're asking for kind of anything that you would go to in your pantry. Um, we're asking for feminine hygiene products and toiletries. And of course, I think most importantly, we're asking for money. Um, because if people can make a financial contribution, we can normally spend their money at a significant discount. So we, you know, you might buy us five boxes of diapers, which is great. Um, who knows if you'll get the right size, we can go and buy the exact amount of the right size of diapers and probably get like 25% off. So, um, finances obviously is a huge, a huge way that people can contribute. And we actually set up on our, on our uh, website. If you go to wondercity.ca slash donate and follow the link. You can donate to our COVID response. So you can know that this is money that's being spent yesterday <laughs> or tomorrow um, on someone's needs right now in the community that are that are popping up because of COVID-19. Wow. So type the, the website in the chat box and then we'll make sure that uh, and share it with everybody here. So I know. Wow. It's lots of <laughs> lots of things to think about from all different sides of and facets. So um, Rhonda. What are your thoughts on all of this? And, you know, I guess maybe putting it into a family and a, and, you know, a child's point of view, knowing that parents are going through all these pressures, you know, looking at Emma having panic attacks and then, um, you know, Tessa, you know, facing families and, and stuff like that. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And I think for me, um, I just have to say that poem is like really touched my heart and, you know, just hearing everyone's stories um, you know, I, I think my biggest fear is, is about, you know, children and families being at home. And we know that there's an increase in child abuse right now and domestic violence. And so I have moments where I feel kind of helpless, um, just knowing that the, the amount of child abuse reporting has gone down, but we know that there's been an increase in homes. And so that's just one of the things that I, um, you know, just trying to... Um, you know, you know how, how do we, you know, try to help when we know that this is happening in homes? And so that's kind of where I feel. Um, and I'm, I'm an empathetic person, right? So I, you know, I have all those big feelings about that. But um, I know that in my day job, one of the things that we're, we're trying to do is the, the support workers that go to the home, we're going to be doing some training in the next couple of weeks about domestic violence and trying to help um, the people going into the homes, just trying to do something because we just know that, um, you know, families are struggling and that, um, you know, during this time, that isolation, you know, really, you know, increases um, the risk of people in domestic violence. So we're just trying yeah. to do the most we can, but it's hard. And that's one of the biggest fears I have. And just that feeling of helplessness um, is hard. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's great, or not great. I mean, it just brings to light to remember the question that I asked all of you, um, you know, is what are you most afraid of? I mean, looking at that. So, uh, Nanette. Hi, I know. Hello. <laughs> Hello. What did you, what did you think of the poem? Uh, I was almost in tears there. That really was very moving. It was so powerful. And like I have a sister who works at HSC and, and it's, you know, she, she posts a picture of, she sends me a picture of herself in her outfit of the day. 
and it just it just brings to reality what they ha- what they're going through mm-hmm. and you know we're not there because they're there keeping us safe and uh, taking care of people and you know and to hear that it was just amazing it was amazing yeah. just makes you so grateful for what they're doing you know what they what they put themselves through what they have to do in order to to uh you know to take care of people yeah what would we do without them you know just awesome. amazing no um yeah charlotte hi hi, <laughs> hi. um she uh, actually I, well yeah i want to add first of all um your your thoughts on on emma's very i think um very open and very honest uh feelings personal feelings what did you think no i'm just I was writing a list of who I could share her poem with just so other people can experience what we all experience and having her read it. I mean, I, I saw the looks on all of our faces and it was just, you know, heartbreaking and, and, you know, wow. Um, I have a sister-in-law and a niece who are both emergency room uh, nurses here in the province and um, I'm so proud of them. And at the same time, scared for them too you know so it's that it's that balance of you know so many emotions um are we going to talk about what our fears are now or yeah yes yeah i guess yeah what our fears are i guess like, I think we're all in the <laughs> we've all found new fears but or, or things to be thankful for but yeah yeah you know, so my fear and you know it was brought to light from a text i got just before going on the air today is that um keeping ourselves safe and um my girlfriend sent me a text and her daughter's come down with uh, COVID-19 and um, she's in her 20s and she has a young family and she's been socially isolating and doing all the things but went to a grocery store on Wednesday and came down with the symptoms on Saturday. And for all of us who are experiencing the only place we're going is the grocery store and we're not going very often and, and, and boom, you know, she got it. So she's strong and she's healthy. So her, her symptoms are not as bad as say for a senior, but, um, you know, like I said, we're all trying to do the best at staying safe. And here's, that was my biggest fear is that I would bring it home from the one trip to the grocery store that I made. So I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but that's just kind of sitting heavy with me today. So. Yeah. Hi Heather. Hi. Hi, Tracy. Hi, everyone. Hi. You know, I, I thought what Emma had to share with us was just so powerful because I have to say, when you listen to the news, and we know that, you know, there are seven people hospitalized with COVID and four in intensive care, and you see images of the hospital and it looks deserted, you get this false sense that it's really not that bad that bad and i hadn't really thought about the impact on the employees in that environment to hear emma describe having to have her coffee break or lunch break if she's lucky to have it and to be completely isolated like it just just sounds horrific and um you know they truly are heroes yeah um so so kirsten then i guess that kind of bodes too on, on the mental health, right, of these, all these frontline healthcare workers. 
it's got to have some kind of impact when it's all over. Like, I mean, I tried to ask that question to Emma on what, you know, they'll, what a nurse will be like when we go back to normal. Like, they won't be in that close contact, I don't think, anymore. Like she said, I don't know if I'm going to hug anybody. So about, what about the mental well-being? Yeah, you know, I'm going to piggyback on what Heather said. Um, to, to hear what they go through in that poem, um, one of the things I would I, I find in the work that I do in mental health is being able to debrief after um, a hard day. Um, and, and like that's so important to debrief and not just keep it bottled up inside. And to hear them talk about how they're um, uh, isolating to have lunch breaks and, and coffee breaks and the loneliness and um, you know, isolation um, is, is not your friend when you're struggling with a crisis, that's for sure. Um, and, and also, uh, as well, what really touched me is when I, I didn't really make the connection, although maybe I did, but I bounced past it. Uh, these nurses are coming home to their families, um, you know, their children. And for all those uh, mama bears out there, I mean, they're still doing it. And I just can't imagine um, what they carry and how fearful that is on a daily basis for them. So I, I hope that, um, and I think it will continue, that um, the support and the appreciation, um, the pedestal that we're going to put these frontline workers on continues for some time. And I hope when this um, dies down, and, and it will, I hope they have some really healthy uh, services, some peer services, some um, something to access because there's going to be a lot that needs to be processed. Absolutely. Yeah. Susie. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, I mean, you have social media, right? And Facebook that, you know, I guess they can use to, I guess, bond, but wow. Well, I used to work with nurses actually. So when I first started my uh, PR career, I did PR and uh, media relations at the U of M for the faculty of nursing. So I have a lot of my heart still left in nursing and I still do a lot of work with um, nursing uh, advocacy groups and things like that. And so I have always said that nurses rule and they are the amazing backbone of our healthcare system. And we can talk about the inherent sexism in that uh, profession in another episode, but it's always been there. And it's one of those things that um, has come to light as we go through this process. Um, nurses are amazing. And I used to go to schools actually and, and do like recruitment pitches to high schoolers who were going to graduate. And I would say, nobody ever goes into nursing for money. They go into it because it's a calling, because they want to care. They want to do research. They want to, um, you know, help people. And they're, they're just amazing people. And, um, I have nothing but positive things to say about nurses and they are the real MVPs of everything that happens in our healthcare system. And I mean, everybody who's working in health right now, no matter what your role is, you are an amazing hero. But, um, you know, we look at what our society values and where we place our, um, our heroes on pedestals and things like that and how we even pay people and how we value them. And uh, nursing is one of those professions that is always facing cuts, always facing threats from government. And uh, I think that we've seen now just what happens when we do those things and that nurses are the front line and we need their support and we need to support them more than ever. Yeah. 
No. So I love nurses. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and what are you afraid of then? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I'm afraid that um, that we might go that we might go into a period of austerity where we feel that these positions aren't as valued once we get out of this um, immediate crisis. And I think that we need to see that um, that is not the answer, and that more more education, more investment into healthcare, into nursing, and um, all those things are really important for the future. Yeah, okay, all right. Rana, how you doing? Were you out shopping? <laughs> no, 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 I was just, uh, just on, a, on a different call. <clears throat> yeah, no, um, I don't know, I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I think a lot of what Susie said is, is just completely on point. Um, and I appreciate the fact that she hit on the inherent sexism of the profession. And I look forward to that conversation after because it's so true. Um, no, I, I, like, I'm a person, um, after my dad got sick, I saw so much that I bow down to nurses day in, day out. I've never seen anything, um, the compassion and the care that they work with uh, but prior to this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's kind of shitty, and I'm going to swear. Sorry, guys that um, sometimes it takes a crisis for all of us to really, really recognize the work that they do. But I think it's, you know, I think, um, I don't know, I, I would like to see community come together or to lift them up and to support them is what I would really want to see. You know what I mean? I would like to see some really cool projects or, I don't know, endeavors or something that would really give them the what they need because just listening to Emma, right? Like there's a sense of aloneness that, that they're almost perhaps that they feel like they're alone and, and you know, they're in this isolated kind of profession going every day to this very scary uh, job, you know, and we only know about this because we heard it through her, but a lot of people won't hear that firsthand story. Uh, yeah. So it'd be nice. It'd be nice if there was something that everyone could just do to, I don't know, like a day of nurses, or let's do something fun where you kind of lift them up and you so, know, so generally. International Nursing Day. I do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. International yeah. Nursing Day is actually coming up in May, oh. and it is celebrated on May twelfth, which is Florence Nightingale's birthday. And there is always a proclamation that is made uh, through the College of Registered Nurses of Manitoba. And so, if you have any anything in your community, or I'm sure the hospitals will be looking at ways that we can say our thanks to nurses. Absolutely, we need to celebrate and bang that drum this year because they so 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 deserve it every year they deserve it but this year so much more yes let's all go in our cars and we'll drive by every hospital and to our horn and, <laughs> and throw some balloons out i don't know i just want yeah. to make a point to say how perfect was it that i was leading towards and i knew it i knew after listening to Stevie that she was going to jump in and then i was trying to go a little bit slower just to give her the time to be like, hey, this is happening. I love uh, it. She's practically <laughs> jumping out of her uh, green yeah, skin there. I love it. Oh. Yeah. That's my, my, my take on Emma. But um, no, it's just been a really interesting conversation. Um, you know, the poem was beautiful. I'm going to share it after uh, we get off as well. But yeah, I mean, everyone just do the best that they can do, you know, and I don't know. I think um, it gets more and more surreal as every day goes by, no, no doubt. Um, it, it is a little scary that, I mean, you know, I'm going to the grocery store at least once a week for everyone, right? Like I'm yeah. the person who goes for the entire family. And, um, that makes me a little bit scared. I'm not going to lie that, you know, I have, a, you know, the, my niece and my mom 
you know, both my yeah. little or my niece is just a little cute little baby. <laughs> um, but there's that. But I also just want to say, you know, for for us, and I know it's what it is, what it is, and it's not really on topic. But for a lot of um, Muslims in the world, we're, we start fasting tomorrow for a month. Yeah. So it's Ramadan starts tomorrow. So we're fasting um, all all month. So I know that there's been a lot of changes in how that is happening, and you know, what's usually like a community kind of get together. Uh, an event that's been really interesting that that's no longer happening the breaking of the fast yeah so that because this is a very important time for you very very, what what changes are you doing or or, and even for your for the fasting too as well yeah i mean we're we're, everyone's home right now like i like full disclosure like i i i'm a horrible person like i'm not a horrible person i do what i can but i mean this will be definitely a year that i that i try my best to fast for the whole 30 days. I normally don't, I've just never managed the whole day just due to work and everything else. So I'm going to try this time because I am home. Um, but yeah, just, just the get togethers, uh, the community aspect of it is, is no longer there. We can't go to the mosque. We can't all join in together and, and do things that we always do. Um, because it is kind of a motivation that everyone kind of gets together and then you motivate yourself for the next day because it's, 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 it's not easy. It's quite, it's quite, you know, and it's meant to be challenging and it's, uh, meant to be self-reflecting like you're supposed to go through that to, to self-reflect so that's been really different and then just um yeah just it's just it feels different it just feels different you know it just feels different so um but on the plus side I think that um hopefully I think a lot of us who haven't been able to fast in the past due to work or travel or whatnot at least we're home now when we can actually do it right. um and the last thing I would say just about it is um you know um, it, it's there's some components uh, of of the month that are really important, and one of them is just giving. Like um, we do um, the God, like we give as much as you can, right? Like you basically are, uh, you know. So I hope uh, I know a lot of uh, community members and family members are seeking out organizations that they can give to in this time. So I think that um, I think from the Muslim community there'll be a big boost in terms of what's being donated to different organizations because this month it's obli- it's an obligation on us that we we must. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how things change. But I just wanted to say that because I know a lot of people will be watching and you know it's starting tomorrow morning, so it'll be interesting. And I'm looking forward to it. So. Oh, good. Wow. Well, well, you can you know we'll encourage you every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I won't have my coffee. I won't have my coffee mug. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I'm going to kind of switch it up. I'm going to say hi uh, to Sue. Susan, hi, how are you doing? That was, and Susan, I know that um, you, you missed, uh, I guess, maybe the top end. I don't know if you saw Emma. She was a nurse at, at St. Boniface Hospital. And I'll share that up with the poem that uh, she wrote to you as well. But, I mean, Susan and her husband have been longtime patrons, too, of the arts and a big supporter of the theater and of the ballet. And so now, I mean, Sarah, too, now we're going to jump in and sort of, I mean, you know, we, we see our frontline healthcare workers. We know what they're going through. Um, Sarah's shared her story, Susan, too. This was her retirement year, her swan song, and a big celebration. And, you know, for all of her hard work and years training and as a dancer, now, I guess to both of you ladies, um, what is it going to look like? And I know it's hard to, to project, but what is it going to look like going back to the theater, going back to see ballet, going back to see a live performance on stage? Um, well, you know, um, Susan, your thoughts as, as a, you know, as a patron, 
What is it going to be like when you first step it back into the concert hall or the theater center for you? You know, well, I mean, for me, I'm looking forward to it very much. I, I know at uh, Royal Manitoba Theater Center, everybody, although, you know, although staff have had to gear down like all the other arts and culture organizations, you know, here in Manitoba, uh, and kind of, you know, waited out until circumstances become such that they can gear back up again. It's the same for all sister brother organizations like, you know, the uh, RWB, right, Sarah? Um, but <clears throat> the thing is, is that uh, in, in the case of RMTC and I think all the other organizations as well, everybody's really working very hard to maintain connections um, with subscribers and sponsors and, and donors um, virtually online, like everybody's, and I'll just sort of draw a comparison. It's like so much of our lives have moved to um, becoming virtual, just like what you're doing, Tracy, with your show. You know, you're creating a virtual kind of experience for how many are there? 12 of us that are getting together to talk about really interesting themes and topics and share our stories. So, you know, my family, <clears throat> we had a Passover Seder. Yes. The 16 of us from five or six different cities. And it was, it was an, a once in a lifetime experience that now we're going to do it again. And we also celebrate Ramadan, um, like Rana in our family. And we're going to look at trying to do something like that, too, so that we can have that same feeling of community, but virtually. Mm -hmm. And perhaps, and so, you know, Mount Hope Theatre Center is, um, you know, they just, I think it was yesterday, had a program called How the Magic Happens. So you could come online <clears throat> and um, learn about a couple of the actors who were to play in the production called uh, George McBride and how these two actors who were to perform drag characters. So how, what's involved in creating your face, basically, um, what the makeup is. And we watched them actually do their full makeup and it just brought us into that whole theater experience. So although we couldn't be there for the show, it brought us there for something pretty special that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. So Sarah, so I just want to, sorry to interrupt you, Susan, because I just want to say, Sarah, you could show us then how you became like the, the Wicked Witch of the West. Because <laughs> that was like one of, I, right? Because yeah, that was one of your roles, wasn't it, Sarah? It was. I did a Wicked Witch. It was actually one of my uh, longest quick changes because uh, I had to go from Miss Gulch, who was yes. a regular face and, and, you know, on her bike. And then I had, I think it was something like nine minutes to get spray painted green and like all the different things and fully changed the and the hair and the hat. So yeah. <laughs> was so, yeah cool. You could you could do that. No. Uh, but but Susan, those are wonderful ideas. And I think too, um, obviously too, I mean, with performers and everything, they're very creative, but I guess it's all a creativity that I think each and every one of you are showing in, in your organizations and what you do. So Sarah, 
Now, I, I, this season, of course, is canceled. Um, there's, I guess, still going on a big alumni uh, convention or whatever gathering, and it's postponed to October. But now I'm kind of thinking you're not going to have, well, first of all, we don't even know if travel will be allowed anyways for all these dancers, former dancers to come to Winnipeg. But maybe, I mean, maybe virtual might be the first step for the performing arts. Maybe it's a virtual performance of us solo and yeah, or. Yeah, definitely. Um, just touching on what Susan had said, like it's so important for us to stay connected to um, the donors and stuff, right? So even for us, we had our, our biggest fundraiser of the year is always in April and that's our gala. So this year we had to go online with it, you know, like we still need that support. We still need to stay connected. So we had our uh, auction online and then we had a few of the dancers go online to do a Q&A for an hour and talk about the prizes, talk about the season and everything. So I definitely think we're going to have to start somehow adapting to that. Um, we've already t been in talks about obviously, you know, ballet in the park is in July. Is it socially responsible to even still keep that on the cal calendar? Like, no, <laughs> right now, probably not. So you know, we're definitely having to look into um, what we can do going forward, how we can restart the season back up. You know, the dancers are supposed to come back in July for their season start, but that's, you know, every day looking less and less likely. We can't be expecting 2,000 people to gather into the concert hall. So definitely starting to look into different options. Um, it is a little difficult, though, to do obviously a group dance we've we've kind of played around with some fun things as a group together so there might be some stuff coming out shortly we'll see um but yeah definitely gonna have to start looking into maybe solo performances or, or maybe when the building is open can, can yeah can we do little solo things within in our studio 116 you know so yeah, yeah. or yeah or an audience list performance yeah. right like there, you know, it's like a live theater uh, presentation, but no audience and, and it's, you know, filmed and then it's brought to your home. So, yeah. So, um, I, I'm very, thank you, Susie, about national, international nurses day. She sent a whole, uh, little informational package. Um, let, I'm going to look at the calendar. I don't have it right here. Or, hang on, I'm just going to step away. So May 12th. Oh, May 12th. It's a Tuesday. So, invitation definitely to all of you, and I also want to say too, uh, the week, the first week in May is uh, volunteer week, so, um, which is great because I really wanted to um, acknowledge all of the volunteers outside of the ones dealing with the pandemic and COVID-19. You know, these are the ones that have been working so hard throughout the whole other entire part of the year to support organizations and it would be really great if we can do shout outs i mean so many volunteer for the ronald pig ballet so many volunteer for the theater center for one just city um you know folk fest and all of the festivals this summer that won't be going on and they're you know what they look forward to the most has been taken away so i think we can all you know, kind of look at that. And I would love, like, you can send me names or whatever. And I mean, you know, but what we can do, shout outs, whatever. Charlotte, too, you know that so many, so many of you volunteer. Um, and just sort of give a pat on the back 
to all of those people that, you know, maybe aren't really recognized right now because, you know, there's volunteer week and there's a big banquet and they honor so many different people, but, um, it's just time to kind of reflect on that. So yeah, so we're going to have some big talks and then I invite you all on Monday, you know, especially if, if you're interested in it, um, to talk about domestic violence, to talk about family breakdowns and the safety. Uh, we'll hopefully have um, Kathy Cox, who is Minister of Sports and um, Heritage and Culture, but also on the status of women, and uh, Rochelle Squire. She's a Minister of resp uh, responsible, uh, Responsibility, but she's also for the status of women, too, as well. And we're going to have jo uh, Joy Smith. So looking forward to seeing Joy and the Joy Smith Foundation. So uh, I invite all of you and I'm hoping that yeah all the rest of the women will come on on Monday for that and then Thursday is pet day so if any of you have pets they're on because we're gonna have the Winnipeg Humane Society on so um, actually you know, there might be the one thing that's a good point because their adoption and, and their animals they don't have a lot because people have been adopting a lot so um, that's a that's a good thing and also a bad thing and so and there also will be a vet on and she can answer any of your questions for your pets during this time. I mean, they can't get COVID, so I'm told, or, or whatever. But also, too, as dog parks, um, I don't think they're open yet, but I'm not too sure. Maybe some of the you that have pets, are dog parks still open? Yeah. yeah. So maybe um, we can, you know, they can answer questions, too, on that, on the safety of that. So anyways, um, I will... Uh, share out uh, the poem will be on our Facebook page um, and uh, if you want a copy of the poem just send me an email and I will definitely share it with you um, Susie what do you think maybe we should get Emma or the new customs to do a song outside of the hospital on May 12th that'd be nice if they have if they have time <laughs> yeah. oh yeah she might she might be on shift yeah but uh, yeah, I'll send her a note. That might be cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Tessa. Thanks, Susan, Heather, Charlotte, Susie again, Nanette, Rana, Kristen, Rhonda. Thank you so much. Have a safe weekend. The weather should be great. Um, do your social distancing, but I would really recommend getting outside, breathing some fresh air, rejuvenating. Yes. And uh, look on the chat for uh, Tessa's website. You know what? And stay in touch. Like, I want you to be in these conversations too, Tessa, because it's very important to be connected with all of those, you know, less fortunate and vulnerable because I think it's only going to become a bigger, a bigger issue. So thoughts and prayers with you. Okay. And your husband did a great job in your hair. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> all right. You can almost do anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, say, thank you so much. Okay. Stay safe. Bye. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.